Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Royal Care Podcast. I'm Carissa and by day I'm an employee engagement coach. When I'm not helping humans be better managers and build engagement with my team members, I'm building my own team with my rescue mongrel named Lady May. Through this podcast, it's our hope that you'll gain ideas and insights into fostering positive relationships with your very best friend. So we'll cover dog training concepts and give you bite-sized applications that you can readily apply. We hope to hear from you on what you would like us to discuss and thank you for listening to us. Now, if you have joined us for our debut um, episode of our podcast, you would have gotten um, the definition for engagement. And so if you haven't heard that uh, that episode yet, let me just review it here right now. Now, we, we define engagement in three ways. We define engagement as how involved um, our dogs are with us uh, when we are, when we are you know, having an interaction with them. Um, and we, we define engagement through um, you know, how motivated or how enthusiastic our dogs are with us you know, when we are interacting with them. And the last, um, you know, and the last uh, aspect um, that actually you know, defines engagement is how committed our relationships um, with our dogs are. And so these three things form the definition of what engagement really is. So I just want to um, uh, make this really clear because there's so many aspects, um, you know, or there's so because engagement is really a buzzword in the dog training world today. And and as and as an engagement coach, um, frankly speaking, I'm I'm sometimes a little bit you know perturbed, um, by how it's being defined. Because engagement is not a tool. Engagement is a tool, all right, for development. Um, but engagement is not a toy. Engagement is not uh, like one thing, all right. So I'm just going to cover, um, and, and I'm going to start a new series on what and how do we measure engagement and how do we know we're on the right track towards gaining engagement. Um, and there are 10 things that we need to look out for in terms of measuring ourselves with our dogs and in terms of, you know, the, the way we interact with our dogs. All right. So these are the 10 things that I'm going to share with you. Um, they are, please don't use this as a checklist. All right. Now, this is actually a list for you to just gauge yourself uh, in terms of where you are um, with your dog. Now, I mean, if you have just gotten a dog and, you know, if you've just gotten a puppy or you've just adopted a dog, um, it's not possible for you to be able to do all of these 10 things immediately. All right. These are acquired through time, um, you know, and it's going to it's going to take us a couple of months or even up to a year to be able to, you know, do all of them um, consistently. Okay. So the so let me just run through what are the 10 things that we need to look out for. Um, that help us to that help us measure uh, our engagement levels with our dogs, and then I will cover each of them in uh, individual episodes. All right. So let me do the overall one today, and that is my dog knows what is expected of her. So that's the first thing that we want to look out for. Now, do our dogs know what is expected of them? The second statement that we want to measure ourselves towards is my dog and I have the materials and equipment for us to achieve success in our training. The third, the third measurement that we want to look at is my dog has the opportunity to have its needs fulfilled every day. Number four, 
I praise my dog at every opportunity. It offers the behavior I want. Number five, I care about my dog's well-being. Number six, I encourage my dog in its effort to learn new things. Number seven, I am committed to see my training succeed. Number eight, I am my dog's best friend. Number nine, I continuously evaluate how we are progressing as a team. Number 10, I have a development plan for us. And so these 10 statements generally will you know, be a guide or a parameter okay, for us to be able to measure how engaged our dogs are with us and what our, you know, and how our engagement journey looks like, okay. Um, and so I actually took these 10 statements um, um, from Gallup's uh, engagement series. Now, Gallup actually has 12 statements for managers to measure engagement with their employees. And I've just converted them to be more relatable to a dog owner, okay. Um, so let's start with number one. Number one is my dog knows what is expected of her or him. And so what does that entail? When we talk about expectation, we talk about, we want to look at, you know, um, what, what do you want from your dog? So I often get, um, you know, many dog owners coming to me, telling me, um, Carissa, I don't want my dog to do this or I don't want my dog to do that. But oftentimes, they are not able to translate it to what they want their dog to do. Now, if we want to have success in our training or if we want to be, have um, clear expectations from our dog, then it starts with us. We need to know what we want from our dogs. So when Lady was a puppy, one of the expectations that I have of her is that my dog has to be able to share my life with me. And so when we when so just take this very simple statement, all right? So when I say share my life with me, um, there's so many things that actually can go into this statement. Um, there's so many considerations that can go into it. For example, uh, how much of my life do I want my dog to be involved in? Um, another consideration would be, you know, um, to what, um, you know, in terms of my life, what do I define that as? You know, do I define that as, um, you know, just a portion of it? Or, you know, do I expect my dog to be able to go everywhere with me? Um, do I expect my dog to be able to, um, you know, to do, to be able to sit at a cafe with me while I have, uh, you know, while I have a meal? So these are the things that we want to be very specific with, our, you know, about our expectations. Now, the, the more specific we are, the better it is for us because then we then we are able to actually craft out a developmental plan in terms of what kind of training do we need to look at, what kind of exposures do we need our dogs to have, etc. So that covers the first aspect, what my dog knows what is expected of her. Now, when we talk about expectations, we want to look into two, um, basically into, I would say into two broad categories, within the home and outside of the home. Um, and how we want to actually uh, think about, you know, um, uh, how we want to expose our dogs to, especially out. So let's start with um, within the home. Now, when you, are, when you have a dog within your home, it depends on what kind of home you have. Some of us have a tiny apartment. Some of us, you know, um, live in a landed property. Some of us have a large apartment. So one of the very simple things, let's start from the home, would be potty training. Do we want our dogs to be able to potty in the home? Uh, that means, you know, our dogs will have a designated pee tray for it or 
you know, are we one of those, you know, owners that, you know, we don't even want our dogs to pee in the, within the apartment. We want our dogs to pee outside the apartment, okay? So these are, I mean, even for a landed property, I have like, I know of dog owners who do not want their dogs to pee in their gardens. So, you know, they have to train their dogs to pee outside, you know, of their home. Um, you know, so something like that is very simple, but yet, right, if we are not clear about this, then it's going to, we're going to have, we're going to begin to have confusion with our dogs because if, when we are not clear about something, then, you know, we will have, um, we will not be able to set clear expectations. And when I talk about clear expectations, um, I talk about, you know, I, I refer them to, we're not able to be consistent um, in how we remind our dogs or we're not going to be inconsistent, you know, in, in, in enforcing uh, you know, or reinforcing good behaviors and trying to diminish bad behaviors, right? Um, so it's just a, it's a very simple thing. Now, the second thing that we want to look at within the home uh, is do we want our dogs to, you know, enjoy like our couch or share the bed with us? Now, that's a very personal thing. You know, some people, you know, I know of some adult owners who are really, really strict and, you know, and the first thing they tell me is, no, I don't want my dogs to even get on the furniture. No furniture at all. Now, some owners would be like, I really want my dog on the furniture because I want to share, you know, I want to share cuddle time with my dog. Now, there's no right or wrong in any of these um, two expectations. It's a very personal expectation. And that's something you need clarity on. Okay, so if you don't want your dog to be on furniture, that's quite straightforward because, you know, it's just about you know, being consistent and reinforcing that, you know, you don't encourage your dog to get on your furniture. But if you want your dog to be on the furniture, now that takes a little bit more training and that takes a little bit more exposure for the dog because when a dog is young, you know, a lot of times the dog is not able to, um, you know, understand or rationalize. Now, dogs can't rationalize like kids, okay? So if you start putting them on the furniture before they are potty trained, then chances are your carpet, you know, your couch is going to be peed on, it's going to be put on. Um, why? Just because simple things like accidents do really happen, okay? So if you do want your dogs to be on furniture, then you want to be, to be able to create a developmental plan in terms of being able to give them these privileges as they grow and as they mature and as they, you know, as they, they become more engaged with you, okay? Um, so it's it's not exactly something that I would say, you know, you have to do this or you don't have or you, you can't you can do this or you cannot do that. Um, you know, that's not true at all. All right. Um, so these are some of the simple things that we can think about when we when we think about what do I expect from my dog at home? Now, the trickiest part is what do I expect from my dog outside the home? And this is really hard for like, you know, new owners to really articulate. So I want to break it down to three simple categories for you. When we think about, um, you know, outside the home, right? We can think about the environment. We can think about sounds and we think we can think about, you know, um, people, right? Uh, interactions with uh, strangers. So if we look at these three uh, broad categories, then we are able to be, uh, to be able to be a bit more specific. So when we look at environment, um, you know, then we can be, you know, we can think about things like what kind of environments, um, you know, what, what kind of behaviors do I want my dog, um, you know, to have in, in specific environments? For example, what kind of dog do I want in a dog run? What kind of dog do I want at the cafe? 
um, because you don't want the same kind of dog in the cafe, right? I mean, when you are probably dining, you don't want a crazy dog running all over the place. You want a nice, calm dog sitting next to you, you know, being able to sit calmly and enjoy, um, you know, a very um, peaceful time together, you know, while you, while you have a meal. So you want to be you want to be very specific in you know in terms of your expectations of um, your dog's behavior. Okay, so for example, one of the uh, one of the expectations that I have of my own dog lady is that the home is actually a very peaceful environment. So I you know when I when I think about the home, I want the home to be a place where you know lady can rest and relax. Um, you know, she can still get excited, you know, she can still play, you know, but there is a level of excitement that I allow her to have, allow her to have that, you know, that is going to be different from the level of excitement, um, you know, when she's, you know, when she's at the dog park or when, or the level of excitement, you know, when we go on a hike, okay? So there are different degrees of, um, you know, uh, behaviors or levels of excitement, uh, you know, that I expect from her. And that's how we craft um, a training and development plan or a learning uh, develop and learning development plan for our dogs. Um, you know, so for example, I don't want lady to be running all over a dog cafe. I want from for her, I want my dog to be able to, you know, um, be next to me, even in a dog cafe. Okay, she's got to be next to me. Um, you know, and for some owners, you know, they, they don't really have the expectations and they just allow their dogs to walk all over the place. And that's fine too, because that's your dog. So you decide, um, you know, what kind of behaviors you would like your dog to have. But having said this, this is the, this is where we run into, you know, a lot of, um, how you say, do's and don'ts, or we run into a lot of, uh, confusion or we run into a lot of, I would say, tension with other dog owners, all right? Because um, we live in such an individualistic world today that that we are, you know, that, that there are a lot of things that out there that is preaching individualism. We tend to think that I do what is right for my dog because it's my dog. And because it is my dog, I get to say what is right and what is wrong. Well, technically, that's true. But technically, that's not true either. Because when we are outside the home, um, that's when it gets really tricky. Because when we go outside of our home, we run into a larger community of dog owners and dogs themselves, right? And so when we want to think about how do we, you know, how do we want our dogs to respond with other dogs or how do we want our dogs to behave in the presence of other dog owners and their dogs, um, you know, then we should have different expectations. Um, and I want to, I want to, I want us to get, I want to get us to consider, um, you know, in terms of how we interact uh, socially. Um, you know, when we live in a community, there are social norms. Now, if you're listening to me from another country, I live in Singapore. And in Singapore, we have we don't have a homogeneous society. We actually have a multicultural, multiracial, multireligious society, um, and so because of that, you know, it's a little bit tricky to have a dog in Singapore because you know we we do want to be able to respect our Muslim community here, uh, and we and one of the values of um, Singaporean culture is racial harmony, and because we have racial harmony. Um, you know, dogs are not allowed on our subways or on our, you know, 
dogs are not allowed on our public buses. Um, you know, and if you actually encounter a, a Muslim um, cab driver, he has the right to turn you down. Um, and so because we live in such a society, I think it's really tricky because it's really tricky to have individualistic expectations. There are going to be certain expectations that we need to, you know, we need to adjust so that we fit into, you know, what's culturally accepted and what's socially accepted within um, you know, the community that we live in. Um, you know, so I just want us to, to think about, you know, how would you like, for example, if, you know, someone just did not, um, you know, put you in consideration? Or how would you like if someone, you know, would just come up to the, no, let's say, for example, if you're queuing up for, for something and someone just comes and cut the line. Now, I bet, quite a number of us will not probably will not confront that person to tell the person hey you know you just cut the line or you just cut my queue but you know we will probably quietly seize or we'll quietly you know tell our friends that you know how annoying that stranger is you see but when we, so it's the same concept when we allow our dogs to misbehave um, in the context of a larger community and when we place our individualistic wants and desires above social norms, that's going to happen. And, we, we, and it's going to be very difficult for our dogs to be able to understand why, you know, why they did wrong. Because we have not trained them or we have not taught them you know, to behave in a more socially acceptable way. Okay, so when we want to think about what we expect from our dogs, can I also get you to consider not just your individual wants, but also what, you know, the larger community wants. Um, you know, and frankly, in Singapore, there are many, uh, the local Singaporeans are actually afraid of dogs um, because, you know, they have grown up, you know, thinking that dogs will bite or big dogs are dangerous um, you know, there's a lot of myths about dogs in Singapore. And I think, you know, if we want our, if, our, if we want our culture in Singapore to change, and if we want our society in Singapore to be more accepting of dogs, um, I think it starts with us. So can I suggest that, you know, it's going to start with us, and it's going to start with us dog owners being able to, you know, um, hold our dogs to a higher level of standard. Um, than our individual standard and to hold our dogs to you know a standard in which um, you know the general public you know would be able to say that's a really well-behaved dog you know and and because I can I see the effort of the owner I am able to see that you know the handler of the dog is able to you know manage the dog and control the dog and you know and be able to and the dog is listening you know to its owner um, that gives um, uh, that gives strangers, uh, you know, a sense of confidence, not in our dogs, but a sense of confidence in us. And when I mean us, it means our dog and us, the hand, our, the owner, right? So, I just want to gently suggest this because sometimes, you know, um, you know, a few owners really get riled up, you know, when I when I sort of like even touch on this topic. And I say this because, you know, I don't have a car in Singapore because it's really expensive to have a car here. 
And a lot of owners like find it really amazing that I have been traveling on public transport for the last eight years with Lady May. Um, you know, and before when I adopted Lady May, you know, there weren't any like private hire um, you know, companies in Singapore. So Grab didn't exist then, Uber hasn't even come on, on the scene yet. Um, it was solely just the public taxis. Um, and I literally like took the public taxi with Lady everywhere I went, you know, and I went literally everywhere with her. You know, I went to the dog park, I went to the dog cafes, I went to I went I went hiking with her. Um, you know, I I took her, you know, to you know, to different places. I took her to cafes. Um, I took her to almost everything that I would probably, you know, do on a regular basis of my life. Um and I did all that, you know, traveling by the by booking a cab. Right. Um and I would say the my cancellation rate is five percent. Um and oftentimes and, and what happened is uh you know I've gotten into a habit of asking the driver, right, um what made him have confidence in, you know, picking me up, right? Um because I'm I'm as you know, as a as a person that trains uh, you know, human beings, like I do corporate training. Um, I'm fascinated about, you know, human uh, and how, you know, how other people um, perspectives look like or what, you know, or what sort of um, what motivates them or, you know, what drives their thinking. You know, I'm really fascinated about all these kinds of things. So I tend, I, I've sort of like, you know, done, a, well, I wouldn't say it's a good sample size because for me, a good sample size is quite a large size. All right. But so I, I did my own, you know, feedback channel and I just got, you know, taxi drivers to share with me, you know, what gave them confidence in being able to just say, okay, I'll pick you up. Um, and so when Grab came along, um, you know, at that time in the early days, you know, Grab and Uber didn't have a service called Grab Pet, you know, and I would always, you know, put into the comment section that I had a large dog on leash. Um, and oftentimes, you know, Grab drivers would use, would call me back and would say, you have a large dog? And I'll say, yeah. You know, and the driver would ask me, if I, uh, if I come and see you, am I able to cancel the ride if I'm not confident taking you? And I'm, and all the time, this is my answer for them. And, and this is how I answer, and this is how I usually will uh, answer. I will say, yeah, sure, you can, uh, you can, you can, you know, cancel my ride. Um, you know, if you if you're not comfortable in picking us up, um, you know, and and I would say out of ten times, nine drivers, okay, nine drivers will pick me up. And the reason why I I do ask them to still come, um, is because I'm confident that when they see Lady and I, they will pick us up, okay, because uh, I've actually put in the effort to train my dog. I put in the effort to you know make to ensure that you know she's able to listen to me when I need her. Um, you know, she's able to do what I say and, and take directions from me when I need her to do that. Uh, and that gave a lot of the drivers uh, confidence. And time and time and time again, I've always gotten this uh, feedback from drivers. You know, they've always, you know, commented about, your dog is so well behaved. Uh, you know, that's why I take you. And I've even gotten this, uh, I've even gotten like Muslim drivers picking me up. You know, because, you know, they are able to have the confidence that my dog is not going to run all over. Uh, it's not going to be jumping, you know, back and forth from the, in, the, in the taxi. You know, they have confidence to know that my dog is not going to, you know, 
lick them, they have confidence to know that my dog's not going to bark, they have confidence to know that my dog's not going to soil their, you know, their car. Um, you know, so can I just suggest, you know, that, um, you know, when we are looking at, when we are, when we are planning out our expectations of our dog, and when we are looking at expectations of our dog, and even if you have your own, your own car, right, don't take this for granted because what happens if your car breaks down and you need to actually transport your dog in a, in a form of a public transport, um, you know, so, so don't just, um, don't, what I really want to suggest to you is that, you know, when we train our dogs, um, and we, training is a form of preparedness, right? So the more prepared we are, then the better we are, the better equipped we are, right, to handle, you know, all life's uncertainties thrown at us, um, you know, so that, you know, we don't have to really panic, um, you know, when something happens, all right? So let me just review, you know, what I shared with us in this podcast. So one of the few things that we want to think about when we think about what um, our dog knows what is expected of them um, would be what is expected of them in the house. Okay, so what does our dog need to be able to do within the house? And what is our dog, what are dogs, you know, supposed to do when they're outside um, with us? You know, what kind of behaviors do we want to see? And be as specific as you can. Think about your own lifestyle, um, you know, and, and start writing those things down. Um, you know, and, and these expectations will help us guide and give us a guidance on, you know, um, you know, what kind of uh, program or what kind of developmental program we need to embark our dogs on, what kind of exposures we need to do, um, etc. Okay, um, and, and that gives us a better framework. Um, that also gives us better expectations for ourselves. Um, why? Because... Surely you don't expect a young puppy to be able to sit quietly for one hour while you have your meal, right? <laughs> you know, so when Lady was a puppy, you know, one of the things was I want, always wanted to be able to take her out to any dog-friendly place to have a meal. Now, I didn't start out that way. I started out in small increments. So I used to take her and, you know, just hold her, you know, uh, and take her with me by the leash and I would just go to the you know, to, you know, to the nearby, you know, store and I'll pick up the newspaper and then I will leave, right? And then I, st- when, when she, you know, became really good um, at being able to, you know, behave herself, I started to walk her to a coffee shop, you know, grab a coffee, finish my coffee and then go home. And then I extended to grabbing, you know, uh, you know, a pastry and a coffee, finish the pastry and coffee and then go home. You know, and then I graduated to, you know, uh, waiting for a takeout. Um, and after the takeout, you know, when she was really good at that and she could wait for me patiently, you know, she wasn't making a nuisance of herself. Um, you know, that's when, you know, I would uh, extend the time, you know, uh, you know, by going to, you know, a, a dog-friendly cafe, uh, you know, and I would probably you know, order something like a salad because salads come really fast you know, finish that, um, and then go. And then the next time, you know, I progress to a salad and an appetizer. And then I progress from, uh, you know, a salad, an appetizer and a main course. And then finally, I did the full on course from a salad to appetizer to, you know, the main course to dessert and coffee. 
okay so you want to be able to increase in you know um in a more realistic way um you know instead of you know just jumping from you know grabbing the newspaper to be able to have a full course meal now that's not going to be able to that's not going to happen okay if you don't do everything else in between all right so start thinking about you know what you expect from your dog uh, and be as specific as possible and write it down okay don't just put it in your head because if you put it in your head um you're going to forget about it you know and and it, it's just going to be a muddled mess so write it down, make it into a list, you know, and then that's going to be something that can really guide you along. All right, so I'll cover the rest of the nine things in the next nine episodes. So stay tuned. Uh, I want to thank you for your time again, um, for listening to me ramble on. Uh, and I hope that, you know, you've gotten um, you know, some good tips from this episode. Um, and if you have something that, you know, that you really want to ask us or if there's some, uh, you know, some... A topic that you wish for us to address, uh, you know, please, you know, um, you know, drop us a line. Um, you can find us on Instagram um, at the same uh, title, at the same handle, The Royal Tale. Um, you know, just drop us a message or, you know, comment on one of our photos and we'll be able to, you know, get back to you. So thank you for listening. Um, and till the next time. Bye.